Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's Wealth Building Wednesday. Today is August 1st, new month. New month. More money. New month, same money talk. I'm your host, Mattie, along with my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What's up, guys? Welcome into today's show. We're going to be doing a recap of last week, which was arguably one of the most critical weeks for the stock market 100%. in the entire year. Yep. We got some updates there. We got an upcoming uh, agenda for this week. We got some... Exciting stuff going on with the Millionaire Mindcast community that we're uh, officially opening up to all of our listeners. We're actually almost already sold out. So I yeah. guess it depends on how we open it's going to be when you hear this. Yeah. Uh, but most importantly, we're doing more uh, events and activities. So we'll have some updates for you guys on that. Some real estate updates and news. And we're going to talk about some defensive investment strategies that you can do in a shifting real estate market. With that being said, if you are new to the show, welcome. What do we talk about on this show, Mr. Breedwell? We're talking about money, how to make money, real estate, crypto, stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, life insurance, all the ways you can make money in this world and what we think about it. All things money, those Benjamins. So if that is something of interest to you. Again, we try and take all of the data and information, mm -hmm. remove the emotion, oh, remove yes. our, you know, uh, our internal, you know, what most causes most issues for people, which is the heartstrings. Yeah, the the heartstrings, and really dive into the data to help drive the best decisions, the best strategies, and ultimately what's out there working, and what we're seeing people capitalize on. 
Yep. So if that's of interest to you, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy anything that we do here on the show, all we ask is that you leave a review, drop us uh, a comment on our socials, uh, shoot us a text, 844-447-1555. Dude, last week. I knew it was going to be big. Well, I didn't. I hear me back up. I knew it was going to be a big week. I didn't know what it was going to, you know, turn out to be. But man, we uh, we lit up all sectors that we needed to uh, in the right way. Um, I was I was really taking an eye at Friday, Monday through Thursday it was really hot, but I wanted to see carry through and close on Friday. And I said, oh, you know, we're up a little bit, and then the market just absolutely took off. Um, so there wasn't a ton of profit taking done. Um, and then this morning on Monday, the market is also responding fairly well, a little choppy, um, but starting to get back to where we need to be. Um, GDP was negative, but better, a better negative than I was expecting. And I think most people were expecting, I really still don't know how that consensus was a half a percent, uh, so the, they were coming out with predicting half a percent up in GDP, which I think was just their way of kind of hedging the narrative. You know, they weren't wrong, but they weren't right because I was at negative 1.4 and we came in at negative 0.9, which is half a percent yeah. spread. So maybe they're just telling me what the spread was going to be. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, I couldn't see how we were going to swing 1.9%. In a in a quarter, I just didn't see with the inflationary inflation rising consistently with that and supply being tightened and tightened and tightened. It just didn't make sense. So I have no idea how that number was come up with. Um, I was wrong too at negative one point four, but I was in the negative crowd, so I was still more right than saying positive. Mm -hmm. But what really I think set people off was the majority of the people that had the consensus that it was going to be negative thought it was going to be more negative than it was. And so to show that wide of a spread, 1.6 to point, uh, not, is it 1.6, 1.9? 1. Yeah, 1.6 to 1.9. Yeah, that's more than 0.5, that's 0. 0.7. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, that's too wide of a spread on, on, a, on a GDP number for it to not <clears throat> indicate a, a trend, in my opinion. So. If we had negative 1.6, negative 1.4, and you know, I'd probably be expecting negative 1.1, negative 1.2, or negative 1. I think that it could be in the cards to get really close to zero on this next report. Excuse me. And even um, at the end of the year, or maybe in quarter one next year, get a positive GDP print. Um, the thing that is kind of floating out there is what is the Fed going to do on the next meeting? Well, I think they were pretty black and white. Uh, they were pretty clear. 75 basis points. And, and what, the, what, what they could do to set it off, you know, make people really happy is they'll, they'll cut that back to 50 basis points. But I think they're going to do 75, 75, 75. Um, that's strong. Market's already held it. It's not 1%, which is, you know, I don't know. It's almost like when you go to the you know a store and they say things are one ninety nine because ninety nine cents sounds different than a dollar. Mm -hmm. um, seventy five basis points is essentially a percent, and and one percent is essentially seventy five basis points in the world of raising interest rates. So if they can get seventy five basis points through, continue tightening and getting the other stuff that they need, 
I think that that's what they're going to do. And I would, I would tell you to bake that in. And I think the market and the bond market is already starting to bake that in as we speak. Uh, that's why we keep seeing a pullback, um, in my opinion, on the 10-year treasury. It's gone as high as, I think, 3.6 and as low back down to 2.6. Mm-hmm. It's because it's kind of looking for a place to start that. Okay, hey, they're raising interest rates here. Boom. When you raise interest rates, if anybody doesn't know the, the relationship between interest rates and bonds or fixed income, it lowers their value. Um, so people will retranche their uh, debt when interest rates get higher. So that's, that's kind of why that's happening, in my opinion. Uh, going back, though, um, I have been saying and ringing my bell and tooting my horn that we're, we were probably in a technical recession. been saying that for weeks and weeks and months, 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 months. And now you're going to start seeing that all over the news. And here's the one time I'll agree with the White House. We're not in a recession recession, um, at least not right now. And I don't think that we're going to get into one. I still think that we're going to finish up going through this technical recession and we could potentially have another leg down. I got to see a couple more weeks of good uh, data. And we need to keep tracing back up to that 200-day moving average to break that resistance. But um, I'm... I've loved seeing all of the commentary around the White House trying to redefine recession. It's a technical recession. If there is no, you know, to be fair, and I don't care if, you know, people are going to say it's like, um, one way, there is no wholehearted definition of a recession. There just isn't. Because why does the NBER get to say it's a recession and economists don't? That is widely accepted. The reason that recession is getting pushed back on and it's a fair pushback is because the areas of the stock market and the areas of the other financial areas of the market, like housing, unemployment, things like that, they are not trending down. And in fact, they're, they're trending positive. And so what I would tend to say is this is just a aggressive slowdown in growth heightened by inflation and the drop in the stock market would indicate a technical recession because by technicality, it's, it, it's a recession. It's just not a recession like me or you would understand. Technically, if I have an impossible burger, it's still a burger. It's just plant-based. Kind of the same <laughs> idea. It's just technically it meets some or most of the definition, but not all of it. And that's just the God honest truth. It just is. So I'm not, I definitely am not jumping on the White House's side or anything, but I've been saying this for months and months and months. We've been in a technical recession. It's completely normal. It's a market cycle. It will run its course. Well, you even said too, like the fundamentals of making it a true technical recession, but being in a recession just were not lining up. They, they weren't connecting. Nope. And it even seemed to have a lot of, uh, economists and people, I mean, the fact that it's become such a large debate obviously shows that it really isn't as black and white as people want it to be. Correct. It would, the, the whole thing is you, you got to take a step back. Nobody would be debating what a recession is if everybody knew what a recession is. Yesterday, uh, Wikipedia or over the weekend froze edits to its page for the term recession halting a frenzy of changes to the entry after the Biden administration insisted that the U.S. economy has not entered an economic downturn. It was, I think they were having hundreds of people trying to edit what the term recession was because 
right? Some people are like, no, this, we're in a recession. This is what a recession means. And I've seen a ton of stuff flying around on social media and a lot of, you know, big influential people that I know understand economics and investing and, you know, some technical, right, scholars and people that don't understand investing, but uh, understand economics. And it's like, nobody can agree on what's going on right now. And they're on both sides of the aisle. Both sides of the aisle are both right. They're also just both wrong. There's not a hundred percent of truth coming from either one. And I'm here picking, I'm going down the fucking middle of the aisle, picking what's good and putting it in my basket. The side that says recession is incorrect. And the fact that they, um, they're, they're discounting the labor market too much. And the labor market is a huge, if you look at 2008, we were at a 10% unemployment. So when we're at three and a half and trending down or staying flat, we're not anywhere near where we need to be for the economy to kind of topple over on itself. The, what they are right in though, is that a recessionary, they're, they're picking off on the technical side saying, Hey, you know, we, we are, we're down enough. The technical people are wrong because they're saying, well, we're only in a technical, 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 technical. Well, I'm saying that too, but I'm also keeping an eye out for in case the labor market goes by. That's why every week we tell you guys these economic reports because we're watching them. I've been saying from the very beginning, if the labor market starts to deteriorate, that's going to be the first sign that this is flipping itself over into a real recession. It is a Right now, no matter what anybody says, no matter what the news says, I don't care if somebody's got alphabet soup behind their name down the street. I don't care if they got Nobel Prizes. I don't care. We're in a technical recession. You can't prove me wrong, just like I can't prove you, you right or me or you wrong. But if you look back at what's going on, you tell me how the stock market, how the uh, in the middle of a recession, how the stock market went up 9%. Doesn't happen. You don't get pops like that in the, in the stock market in the middle of a recession. Or please go back and show me a time where that's happened before. Show me a time when consumers have been spending like this in a recession. Show me a time where unemployment has been like this in a recession. Show, you can't. So therefore, we can't say that it's a recession. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's healthy and true to say it's technical because there's certain things lining up. Who fucking knows? They may... Just like COVID, nobody knew what COVID was. Maybe this is a new thing. Maybe when we get a dip like this and inflation like this, you know, it's recession new, it, didn't exist new, until somebody called it it's that. It's a new concoction. We have this, yeah. And this is the type of stuff that happens as the market grows. Well, this is the, it's the evolution of correct the modern world of money. Correct. And the Bureau of Economic Analysis came out and said the decrease in real GDP reflected decreases in private inventory investment, residential fixed investment, federal government spending, state and local government spending, and non-residential fixed investment that were partly offset by increases in exports and personal consumption expenditures, imports, which are a subtraction in the calculation of GDP also increased. So a lot of the stuff that you would normally see from previous economic quote unquote recessions, this is a little bit of a different, like Ryan is saying, it's a little bit of a different animal that we haven't seen before. So I love the debate personally. I think this is right how we continue to evolve and, and, you know, debate and buffer out you know, and poke holes in theories in you know, economic policies and economic definitions that ultimately over time, 
you know, it's, it's not always linear. It's not always fixed and finite forever. So when you think about this conversation, at the end of the day, the economy is contracting in certain areas, but we're also seeing it expand in certain areas as well. And there's opportunities and there are all so major risks that are going on right now. And so I think if anything, it's being a part of the conversation based on what dominoes, if toppled in the wrong direction or in the right direction, how do those impact you? How do those impact your investments? How do those impact your business? How do those impact your lifestyle? Because at the end of the day, there's always economic cycles, macro and micro happening all the time. Yep. Yep. And I have said it before and I'll say it again, bull markets don't disappear. They just go elsewhere. Just because there's not a bull, you know, run in the stock market doesn't mean there wasn't some elsewhere and there was an energy and commodities and utilities. Just because there was no, just because the market took a huge, was kind of stagnant in 2021 doesn't mean you couldn't have made money in real estate. I mean, there's just always, money has to find a place to go. It's, it's almost like water. Um, something like, I'll go off on a little tangent, but it'll make a lot of sense. You can't drink pure water. It's bad for you. It'll pool it'll pull minerals out of your body to actually dehydrate you. That's why they infuse um, water with minerals. I remember watching this test where they ran 100% pure water down a copper pipe and it was ripping the copper off the inside of the pipe. It, it will pull, it, it, it just will do that. So money does the same thing. Money demands yield. So like, and return. So like water demanding its minerals, Money will always demand a place to work and a place for yield. Higher deposits demand higher yield. Higher deposits or higher sums demand more work. Money's value goes up and down based on the asset that you purchase it, but you still own the same quantity of assets. You have to be tactful on when you move assets. It's just a capital allocation game and a timing mechanism, but it's all the same thing. So the, when the stock market goes down, it doesn't mean like, oh, I need to pull my money and put it into cash because I'm going to go ahead and try to time the market. That's stupid. The smart thing to do is say, okay, well, I have these and these are good normally. Um, like a lot of people did in 2008. Man, housing has for the past 100 plus years been pretty solid. Do I think this one year is going to define the last 100? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe if I'm dumb and I'm short-sighted, yeah. Excuse me, yeah, but not if I'm thinking long-term. Mm-hmm. So. It's, it's that whole game. It works. It's the same game all the way around. You just have to learn how to play it in the way that makes you comfortable. But money does not just say, hey, let me dry up and go into cash. And especially when inflation's at 5 6 7%. It just can't. It has to go somewhere. Or people that are making lots of money, that drive the economy, that are the big, the rich, the, the quote-unquote Illuminati, all those bad people you all talk about, those people aren't going to do that. They're going to sit back like Blackstone. They're going to suck up all the multifamily and residential real estate. Less than uh, one-tenth of 1%, I think, or half a percent was owned by uh, commercial investors or, you know, like institutional. That's like one and a quarter percent of, of real estate's owned by institutions. It's right around 2%, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it, I mean, I don't know what to tell you besides writings on the wall. All the chitter-chatter of people saying, oh, you need to do this. And then in the background... Man, you got to learn. Real killers move in silence. Yeah, Blackstone's not out here saying, hey, look what we're doing. They're just doing it. You guys are chitter-chattering. You're worried about what's on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, 
Cheddar, all these news networks, and all the while, that's old news, and the the rich are moving and making moves in the background. So that's what we try to tell y'all. So what did we see in earnings last week, and how was huge the market responding to that? Huge beats. Um, we had expected losses in revenue from Meta, um, obviously, because there's a slowdown in online advertising due to the cost of doing that. The companies that do online advertising are generally heavily, le- heavily leveraged, so just not a lot of money to spend there. Um, Netflix, uh, didn't shed as many subscribers as we thought. We saw some, uh, really good earnings beeps by Amazon. That was like really incredible. Um, I saw some, the only real big negative information I saw that is that, uh, they the Alibaba might get delisted, uh, from them. Yeah. Why? Uh, just because, um, China. Yeah. Yeah. It's China. Simple, simple, just China. Um, but that's, you know, they always say that with stuff, D-list, not D-list. Um, earnings as a whole were, were overall positive and a beat again. And again, analysts are, are wrong on earnings, like bad. Um, I remember uh, Apple even. The forecast for Apple was negative and it, it smashed positive. So I was texting Matt during when all the reports were popping up on my screen. I mean, it was like beat, beat beat, beat, or missing revenue, but missing by half a percent. Stock market doesn't care if you miss revenue by 1% or half, or maybe your stock price goes down by three or 4% after hours. Who cares? I mean, it's just that that's not stuff that's going to move the market in the, in the downward direction. So everything, like I said, that needed to happen from a positive direction, earnings, data, market movement, money coming off the sideline, everything last week was, was good. If we can continue that trend through this week, the thing I'm now really work, looking at besides the data, 4340 on the S&P 500. That is the 200-day moving average area. And if we breach through that, that is a huge, huge, huge technical indicator uh, for bullishness. And um, shout out to everybody who's been prudent uh, this year and and been buying because I, I mean you've made at least eight or nine percent on your positions if you're an equity focused investor mm-hmm. and all you had to do was keep buying everybody that the, the craziest part is the scared investor who sold in may and we or june we talked about this in june literally left 10 percent on the table in july that is why you do not time the market. You never try to time the market. If you want to know why hedge funds make 100, 200, 300%, they try to time the market. And when you have 5 billion, 50 million, whatever dollars, and you can blow it out your ass like that, do that. Go try to time the market because then you don't need to make lots of money with your money. But when you're a small retail investor, don't try to, nobody's going to do that for you. You don't, that cake does not exist for you to eat. But you just always win in the stock market because you have this magical formula that nobody else knows. You know, wake up, wake up, doesn't exist. You have to cap, you have to allocate your capital, make a plan, stick to your plan and be diligent on your plan. That's all you have to do. Sorry, it's not as sexy as the guy on, on uh, Instagram or, or uh, TikTok told you, but he or she is lying and we're keeping it real. <laughs> That's we all keep, I can tell. We keeps it real. Yeah. Well, last week, Department of Labor came out um, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial claims was 256,000, a decrease of 5,000 from the previous week's revised level. 
much. Again, I wouldn't I, mm, flat. Overall, I mean, you're you're talking about an increase of six thousand two hundred and fifty yes. from the previous week's revised average. So flat. At the end of the day, we're talking about horizontal movement, nothing major, and ultimately, right? That's this seems to be. You know, when we talk about what drives the real estate market, it's supply and demand, yep. right? And right now we're talking about significant undersupply. And until that truly spikes and, and peaks in a way that the demand just can't keep up, even with the Fed raising rates and, you know, doing what they've been doing, we've been seeing inventory continue to increase. Like that is the ultimate linchpin and, and kind of catalyst and data point for the real estate market right now. Would you say that unemployment is that same equivalent to the stock market? Yeah. Um, I and, would, and why would you say that? Because the only thing that's going to, that during a time of tightening on monetary policy and, um, and inflation, kind of like we're in right now, what the Fed has to try to do is slow demand to, to get back in line with supply. Um, it looks like we went neutral last month. And so if we can continue that trend, that means that we're now back to a neutral point where we don't have over demand and under supply. And then that will start cooking you know, the cost of things back into line with each other because then they'll be moving faster. We won't have an excess of stuff. You know, we don't have to... We don't have to pay the absorbent prices. The thing that I would say just really quickly on to the um, supply on the real estate side, just something that I've been hearing is, you know, other reports each week are um, real estate supply is up by 30%, you know, and, and demand is is down by 10 or whatever. But the Again, super important when you get data points to have the follow through to like a root of, of the of the not problem, but I guess you could say that there. Nationwide supply is still down like three and a half percent of of the seasonal average. We are normally around, I think, almost five percent of our five months of inventory. Excuse me, nationwide. That's about what we normally have around this time, and we still only have about one and a half to two months uh, of of inventory. I might have said percentages. I meant months. Um, so, like, we can deal with a lot more. Historically, we have a lot more supply normally on the market than is on the market right now. And then the demand, yes, demand is down. But what are you pulling the demand from? 21 and 20? I think that that's a little bit of a, of a, of a throw off. That would almost be like me saying uh, pulling returns in the S&P 500 from July 1st to now and calling that year to date. It's just loaded. It's loaded data. So you have to be very careful on when you hear those kind of things and just saying like, oh, that I just scratched the surface of this iceberg and I know everything below the surface based on this one point of data. That's not, that's not prudent. And I think that you're going to start hearing a lot of stuff like I've been dealing with over the past six or seven months in the real estate world. Hey, the, the real estate market's going to fall off a cliff. Here's your house prices going to start doing this and that. I'd be very weary on that uh, and just know that it's just a normal softening in an overly hot market that was going to happen anyway. And your house price is still going to appreciate. It's just not going to go up by 14%. And that's okay. That's totally fine. 
Um, the other thing that's going to kind of suck is right now, I mean, I was looking at some uh, investment properties over in like uh, Georgia, 23, 21 cap rate. And you still can't cash flow the damn thing because the house prices are too much. <laughs> so housing prices need to, to calm a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if that person that's trying to sell the house for 490 right now scoffs at selling it for 440, I think there's just a little, you know, that's the same person that's going to be pissed off. They don't make 200% in Tesla anymore. Well, I think too, part of what's happened over the last 24 months and with the amount of printing that we've done is we've somewhat set a new floor for pricing in a lot of ways. It feels like, yes, expectations on how, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, of, um, air was pumped into a lot of commodities and asset classes and, you know, obviously a lot of capital is flying around, so it needs to find a home to park itself in. And by doing so, I think there was, yes, certain things way overvalued and inflated. And, and that's what we're fighting back against right now to kind of reset, you know, some pricing on some of these things. But I think a lot of the floors were moved up a little bit. Ceilings were broken, new floors were established. And now we're kind of starting to try and find what does that footing look like in certain ecosystems of the stock market, of real estate, of businesses, and how do you value these things? And what does that look like for people in terms of investment and returns? And I think that's part of a, a piece or a variable in this kind of whole equation right now. Cause at the end of the day, we may never see like people might think, Oh, home prices are going to drop and go, you know, through the floor. We may never see prices for certain types of homes under a hundred thousand dollars ever again, that were in the 50 or $75,000 range. Even if they do correct. Even if they do correct, right, is, which is what I'm getting at is, Cost you know. of goods and services go up it, over your lifetime. It's called inflation. Well, yeah. I mean, when you hear, like, when I hear my, you know, grandpa saying, yeah, back in the day, you know, when I bought this for a quarter, well, that newspaper will never be a quarter ever again a decade later, Two, right? $2 and a quarter now. So it's, it's, I think this is part of certain people who've never been through an economic cycle or correction, or just haven't had the means to understand how all of these dots connect in terms of finance. Now, I think with social media and technology and, you know, a lot of the stuff in terms of access to information that's out there now are starting to, you know, not say they're the savviest, but the general public is somewhat raising their level of financial IQ in some way. Sure. I think what they're doing is, uh, I'll add to that. They're getting interested in raising their financial IQ. And a lot of people are finding out that <clears throat> that sort of two years ago, their gap of what, their they, gap of what they thought they knew and what they know is a much wider than they Big thought. Time. And this yep. is the reality check right now of that happening. Cause I know right. people you're spot on. I know people that literally will have accounts that are, are negative now that had more than triple their initial deposit because when shit starts hitting the fan, they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Do they sell? Do they, do they buy more? Why don't we just leave it alone? Because I don't know what to do. That's, that's what happens. And I, I tell people all the time, it's not hard to make money in a market that goes up. 
Wait till it starts going down and let's see who makes more money. Mm -hmm. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Which is why we do this podcast is we got money on our mind 24-7 because we know that when it gets in the hands of people that have great goals, great values, that want to go and make a difference and impact not only for themselves, for their families, in their businesses, in their communities, this is a perfect example of, you know, as the tide in the harbor rises, all the ships do too. That's why we want to have these kind of conversations is because so many people one just don't have a space where they can get some unbiased dialogue where we can talk some shit. We can, you know, bounce some ideas off each other. We can poke some holes, but at the end of the day to continue to sharpen your financial ax and, you know, apply it to whatever financial tree trunk you're chipping away at every single day, you need to be in consistent conversations. You need to be right. Finding offensive strategies, playing defensive strategies, and continuing to move the needle forward in the direction that you want to move forward based on whatever your financial and investment goals are. And that's ultimately what I find is, you know, lacking in most financial spaces. It's all biased. Well, yeah. It's always got an intention or a hook or a, you know, a Trojan horse within the message. Yeah. Most of the financial podcasts, I mean, if you just want to peel it all back, I... I sell life insurance. Oh, I tell you right now, but most of them are just trying to sell you life insurance policy. Just like most of this stuff, like that's on TV. Most financial advisors on TV just trying to sell you an annuity. Yep. Um, I guarantee you, if you come and show me 20 wealth building podcasts, most all of them are centered around infinite banking. This is what you have to do. I'm going to be really vague about it. And then you have to contact me. Mm -hmm. We are not about that. I have lots of clients on here that have done that. I have a lot of people that have not. Matt knows a lot of people that have worked with me. I we send Matt over to money. We send money from our side over to Matt. It's completely holistic how we take an approach to how finances work. 
a size nine shoe for everyone. That's how we get blistered feet in this world, right? We hmm. do not want to just jam everybody into the same pair of shoes and send them on the same walk because everybody's journey is different. Yep. So you have to, you know, talking to somebody last week, they want to retire in 11 years. Their asset mix is going to be completely different than somebody that wants to work for, for the next 35. Some people want to work till they're 60. Some people don't want to work last week and they're still working. Some people want to travel. Some people want to be nomadic. Some people want to own a bunch of real estate. Some people don't want any real estate. There's a, there's a hundred different ways that you can get to the same outcome. You just have to have, make sure that your plan is built the way that, that you need it done for you. So that's the, the biggest difference on our podcast. I know a lot of other people that do syndicating. I know a lot of other real estate investors. They're just more focused on the transaction and what they're doing and explaining to you what they're doing and why it's working and why you need to give them your money. I would say this is much more holistic and much more of this is what we're doing with money and why we're doing it. And here's how it works and why. Yep, absolutely. So we've got some updates in real estate. The market continues to slow down and do exactly what the Fed is hoping that it would do. We got housing inventory as of August 1st up 32.3% year over year. Inventory is still increasing rapidly, but the inventory build has slowed somewhat over the last few weeks. So as of right now, inventory bottomed seasonally at the beginning of March 2022. As we've been talking, that's kind of a seasonal um, low, and we've been seeing it creep up. Uh, basically week over week since then. It's now up 124%, more than double. Altos reports inventory being up that 32.3% year over year, now 23.2% above the peak last year. Again, as we've talked about it, now these this delta is getting smaller now, though. I will say that. Inventory up compared to two years ago is currently down 14%. If I were to go back a couple months, I think at the peak, it was like from two years ago, about 40 something percent and inventory compared to 2019, three years ago, it's currently down 44.6%, which I think at the peak was in the seventies. So again, we're still well below what was in 2019, healthy levels of inventory, but demand has really been cut. Um, the Fed is still kind of tight roping this, you know, how do we continue to keep this momentum behind the economy while slowing some of the other dangerous variables like inflation? We're also seeing uh, the 30-year rates as of this morning drop to 5.13% from the peak and 6.28% on June 14th. So guys, I mean, when you look at the historical levels of where interest rates are at right now. I mean, if you could lock in at 5.13% on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, that's still great money. That is cheap money long-term. It really is. Rates are up 79% year over year. Home sales have decreased 8.6% in June. It'll be interesting to see what happens in July. We've talked home builder confidence has fallen off of a peak. They are concerned the amount of people walking in and purchasing model homes and sales that were happening 
every single day and every single week have trickled down to a very slow one a week, maybe two a week. And again, this is what the Fed is hoping they're going to see, right? When we slow and curb demand, we're going to see, you know, at least if supply continues to increase at the rate that it is, prices start to slow down, which is what we also saw from the Home Shiller Price Index. We saw a decrease in prices month over month. So overall, I think right now, I don't see any massive, you know, distressed. Black Knight came out with their data and basically said, we're seeing a slowdown in home price growth. But in terms of distressed mortgages, defaults, um, forbearance plans, still very low and actually decreasing in many ways. Yep. I can't remember if uh, the report we had, what was it? Um, income, I believe, where is this at? I want to look it up real fast. Um, but basically it was the income uh, was actually up for most people over this last quarter. Then that would one their spending also out they outspent their income growth, but I was curious on if that was uh, a point you guys had paid any attention to. No, but I noticed that, and it, it mostly it's attributed to because most people got a raise last year, and it's kind of it's, they're just starting to kind of feel it and use it and spend it. Um, personal personal income increased one hundred and thirty three point five billion. That's point six percent in June according to estimates released today by the Bureau of Economic Analysis. And that's good because that means people are working. And then disposable personal income, DPI, increased 0.7%. And personal consumption expenditures, PCE, also increased 1.1%. So that's what I was was looking at. So yeah. those are good numbers because that tells you that people are spending money and intent. When people spend money in our capitalistic economy, that makes money for the for those businesses and that passes through their stock prices. Yep. So that's all of that again. I'm sticking to my guns for November-ish for turnaround and all that other stuff, but we should be in the back end last quarter of going through some choppiness and then we should have a good, based on what I see today, we should have a good end of the year and a good start to 2023. And I'm seeing a potential rate, first rate cut, uh, second half of 2023. Uh, to the first half, a first quarter of 2024. So we should be able to moderate and get back to a level where money will be cheap again. So the other thing, can you pay 5% on money for a year and a half? Absolutely. You can pay 8.5% on money for a year and a half and still be profitable. Absolutely. So just just remember that don't get hung up on the the nitpicky things. Matt and I have said it before and we'll say it again. You can invest in a falling market just as long as you invest in quality and you can buy in a harder to buy real estate market when money's more expensive. You just have to buy the asset at the market value and market price and make sure that you run your numbers correctly. Yep. It just becomes as simple as that. Defensive investing strategies to talk about how you continue to you know, make some money while hedging your downside in what feels like a shifting or a choppy or volatile market. I'm just going to run through. This was uh, from a little investment conference um, that I thought had some great points for people that, you know, again, don't try and do it all. 
identify what you're, again, you hear me say the core tree trunk, like what are you going to chop wood at becoming the expert and doing day in and day out? And if it's not you becoming the expert, right, it's aligning with someone like Ryan and his team to do the, you know, financial side of the markets for you and you're doing your real estate or you're, you know, doing your business, but having something that is your core focus. Some defensive investment strategies, lock in low fixed rates. Yep. I mean, right now, 5% is still (laughs) historically really good. Recession-resistant pricing, diverse tenant mix, proven markets with strong fundamentals, tax-favored investments, proper legal structure, equity stripping, triple net or master leases, strong property management and operations, syndications, stronger deals, safety and numbers, hedge your positions, safest real estate categories right now, apartments, triple net commercial, ag and medical for durable income and keeping some dry powder. That was all on the real estate investment side. And I can tell you that pretty much all of the smart money and wealthy people I know are looking to lock in any kind of long-term fixed debt, even if the rate's a little bit higher than what you would normally like. Because at the end of the day, you know by baking in your numbers on the front end, if the deal still works with that interest rate over the long term that it's fixed, then it still works. And you just have to operate that properly. And the beauty is, if it does, and rates happen to come down in the next two or three years, and you can refi down into a lower interest rate, your deal, your IRR, your returns are going to get that much sweeter, right? So definitely looking at diverse tenant mix, you know, and not having all your eggs into one basket when certain, you know, medical is doing great right now. Some of my small businesses and my commercial strip centers are struggling a little bit. That still gives me a good hedge by having that diverse tenant mix. Proven markets with strong fundamentals, income growth, job growth, population growth. And of course, that economic diversity is a key part of that, right? So looking at opportunities that you want to, you know, what markets you want to be in long term is a great way to park some cash. And even if you're getting a little bit of compressed returns right now over the long term, being in good, strong markets with proven fundamentals is a great way to, again, to defensively invest right now. If you don't want to be sitting on the sidelines and completely hitting the pause button, you still have some opportunities and strategies to look at. I definitely think triple net and master leases have their pros and their cons. It depends on if you're going single tenant triple net or if you're doing something a little bit um, you know, more density-based by having, for example, I, would, I feel more comfortable having three you know, medical professionals in my medical plaza than I do one. Unless it's a dentist. Unless, unless it's a dentist. <laughs> Strong property management operations, critical right now. I mean, this, guys, I, I would say this is, at the end of the day, Every syndicator, every hedge fund, every real estate investment group, in order to get the returns they need, they need what? They need asset management. Asset management stripped down is being a 
property manager, an operator. Can you, through your business or through your daily activities, do what is necessary when you oversee and you manage a particular asset to get a monthly return based on what those tenants are going to have to pay you for based on the product you provide them. And so getting to be a good asset manager with quality systems is probably one of the most high ROI, high multiple skill sets you can build in real estate investment, ideally in commercial, because you get a much larger ROI and ROE, return on your effort when you're doing commercial real estate. So understanding what goes into strong property management, times like right now when things are a little bit slower, is that much more of an opportunity for you to go back in there and get in the lab and do some work. Sharpen your axe, sharpen your pencil, be in the right conversations, do things that are going to serve you when shit gets crazy and there's so much opportunity, you don't know where to focus your time on. If you have the ability when things are slow right now to really increase your network, sharpen your axe, get more tools on your tool belt, more confidence, more wisdom, more experiences that allow you to go and capitalize and get more of your fair share when the market shifts. This is the time when things feel like you don't have the ability to be as offensive, which again, there's always a bull market somewhere. There's always areas to go on the offensive. But right now, if it's being okay with taking a little bit of a pause, make sure you're getting an ROI on your time by putting it and investing it into yourself, your business, your systems, and your relationships. 100. So with that being said, this next week, we've got some updates on the schedule that will be coming out. CoreLogic House Price Index is today, August 1st. We've got Manufacturing Index, which I believe already came out. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was a beat uh, by, I believe, 30 basis points, 52.5 versus 52.2 expected. So and, and what does the Manufacturing Index tell us? It just tells us in July that factories were... Ripping and tearing. Ripping and tearing. So it was a beat. It came out above consensus. Uh, you said at three basis points, correct? 30 basis, 30 basis points. points. Yep, I, believe, I believe by 30 basis points. Sorry if that's a little bit off, guys. Construction spending for June. The consensus is for a 0.2% increase in construction spending. So obviously that will continue to tell us if builders are building, spending that money. Are we continuing to see, right? that sector of the economy rip and roar in the right direction? Or are we starting to see things slow down a little bit? Um, Tuesday, August 2nd, job openings and labor, uh, labor turnover survey. Construction spending, just so you know, is down 1.1% for June. I'm okay with that. Yeah, so construction spending was down. Selfishly, I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's... When you're building a hotel on the Riverwalk in San yeah. Antonio, I'm like, these subs, these contractors need to come uh, back down to reality a little bit and realize that, you know, the market is going to constrict in certain, but we're seeing commodity prices drop alongside it with it. So again, this is part of what the Fed is trying to do at the moment. And on another off shot note, there's only two spots left open for Napa. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, you were, you were, I was going to save that to the end. Wednesday, August 3rd, we got mortgage purchase applications index. Uh, Thursday, August 4th, we got the trade balance report and then um, initial weekly unemployment claims, which of course, every single week we're tracking that. But Friday is really the biggest day this week, August 5th, employment report for July. 
um, non-farm payrolls. And private payrolls are coming out as well too. So the consent, and this is important. Why? It just lets, it's um, how many jobs were added essentially on, on private payrolls through the, that segment. I believe that's going to be for July. Um, one of the most important reports that comes out. When that trends down, that shows that people are not taking jobs or there's not jobs available. There's jobs available and that shows how many of them are being taken. Yep, absolutely. So now as we wrap up today's show, Mr. Brewell was excited because we've uh, we've got two spots left for the Wealth Wine and Dine Mastermind, our first Millionaire Mindcast meetup. This is going to be a special one. We're rolling out all the stops for you guys. Uh, we've got just some really cool shit planned, to be honest. Um, and for those of you, we, we had a lot of applications. There are certain people that obviously are going to qualify for coming to the meetup. But at the end of the day, we're continuing to roll out more and more events. So if you want to be on the list for getting notified before we even announce it out publicly, we're basically going to be you know, including people that are on that particular list first to get notified and then launching it out publicly. Um, so if you want to know more about upcoming events uh, or you want to attend our one of the last two slots for our NAPA event um, on September 22nd, just text the word NAPA to 844-447-1555 or if you're interested in coming on the three-night, four-day tour of Tahoe Mastermind. Um, that is going to be an amazing event with more details coming out this week as well. We haven't launched that, but you can text the word Tahoe to that same phone number. Um, for Napa, really cool. Uh, pick up the group. We're going to go out to a really special lunch. We've got a sprinter van that's going to be touring us around to all of the different private tasting and tours that Mr. Breedwell has us lined up. We'll be doing mastermind breakout sessions at each one of those We've got a private farm to fork chef's dinner set up. Uh, we've got some special gifts that we're rolling out. And again, this is not for profit. This is totally for impact, for networking, for connecting with our Millionaire Mindcast community. Most importantly, getting you guys connected with each other. Um, selfishly, of course, we get to hang out yep. and you know meet and connect with all you guys as well. But if that is something of interest to you, you want to know more about our events, Napa or Tahoe, um, and again, those are just the two that we have right now that we are sharing. We got more coming up. Just text the word Napa Tahoe to 844-447-1555. Someone on our team will reach out to you, connect with you, get you more information and see if that's a fit. Uh, with that being said, guys, a lot of great stuff going on to close out 2022, tons of opportunity. And uh, we want you guys to get your fair share. So keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review. Until next week, we'll see you. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. 
So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 